and welcome to another episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we got somebody who's a friend of the show. This is almost like a special um, because we're trying to figure out what the hell is going on in Washington, D.C. By the way, are you wearing a TCU hoodie or is that LSU? What is that? This is an SEC, uh, SEC polar right here. So okay. representing the conference. That, there you go. You, I mean, I'm not not mad about that one. I mean, if it was TCU, I, you know, <laughs> last time they played the SEC, they got 60 points. But it wasn't that pretty, was it? No. <laughs> No, it was not. So, look, jumping right into it, what happened this week with Kevin McCarthy, who's lived his entire life trying to be Speaker of the House, and he flamed out? So what exactly happened? How do we end up here? And who's the Speaker now? Well, the short answer is that the the House GOP is basically ungovernable. Um, They don't want to be in the majority. They're not built to be in the majority because being in the majority necessarily involves governing, which means compromising. and. especially when you've got Democrats in control of the Senate and the White House. And that's just not why a chunk of folks in the House GOP came to Washington, Bakari. Um, they're there to make a point. And um, they did that. And they got rid of Kevin McCarthy after nine months of his speakership. And look, he tried to placate them at every turn. And um, uh, he bought himself some time in doing so. But th- you know, this day was always going to come because of that fundamental issue of they don't want to be governed, and they don't want to govern. So who's speaker now? I don't think we're going to know immediately. I mean, I think this is going to take a little while. I I believe after the shock of last week, the trauma, really, for a lot of those folks, I think it's going to take a bit to find somebody. And I, I don't think either of these candidates, Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan, can get 218 immediately. Well, let's back up just a little bit. Was Was getting a CR passed? With Democratic support, really that bad policy wise that McCarthy, I, I don't like McCarthy, but did he deserve to be thrown out because of this CR that was passed? Or is it deeper than that? Well, I don't think it was because he passed the clean CR with Democratic votes. I mean, I think that was the triggering action, Bakari, but I don't think that that was the, the actual motive. I think the motive was there's a group of hardliners who don't want anybody in leadership that's, that's going to try to cut deals and govern. Uh, they, they just want somebody who's going to be a kind of a rabble rouser. And um, you just can't do that when you're trying to run run the American government. And that's really the challenge is you've got a group of people, it was eight in this case, um, but it's a few more than that generally, who largely are in Washington to make a statement about what they feel like is the, the problem with the federal government. And they're more naturally suited to be in the minority. So Donald Trump just five minutes ago came out. Well, we heard about it yesterday, but he came out with this amazing Wikipedia endorsement of Jim Jordan, um, where he just it looked like he took his Wikipedia page and said, I endorse Jim Jordan and then pasted the rest of it. What role does Trump play? And does Trump help you get the 218 or does keep you from getting the 218? It's a good question. I think he ultimately is more of a challenge than he is a help because the vital the vital constituents, if you will, in this race. The, the kind of swing voters, if you want to call them that, are those who are in the center right of the party uh, who face competitive districts uh, when they run every two years and who don't want to be connected with, uh, you know, obviously the most polarizing figure in American politics, maybe global politics. So I don't see how this helps Jordan get those kind of voters, Bakari. And in fact, 
I think it probably alienates them. Um, the last thing they want is to be anchored with Trump. They're already facing the questions about Trump uh, as a presidential nominee. Now they got to deal with him in their own uh, in their own house. I just think it creates more challenges for Jordan. Um, Jordan was going to be fine with the kind of Trumpy crowd in the house. The folks he needs help with is the last Trumpy crowd. You know, this episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults with zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. So why didn't McCarthy go and get Trump's endorsement to help him keep his job? That's a good question. And the reporting that I've seen, including some at Politico, is about that McCarthy was concerned that if he did that, that then he'd have to give Trump his endorsement officially for the the, the primary. And again, to come back to those kind of uh, House GOP members from competitive districts, I don't think McCarthy wanted to do that because he didn't want to be seen as, as jamming those people. And so I think McCarthy uh, did not want to get into a quid pro quo with Trump. Um, in which he'd have to endorse Trump. And um, uh, that probably would have been on the table here had Kevin asked for help. I'm also not sure that Trump could have done that much or even if what Trump wanted to. Um, he would have gotten, he could have gotten him three votes. In fact, if Donald Trump supported, if Donald Trump came out and endorsed McCarthy for speaker, he yeah. definitely would have gotten, Nan- he would have got Nancy Mace. Yeah, I think, I think if he got on the phone, he may have reeled a couple of them back in. But here's the thing, Macari. When has Donald Trump ever stuck his neck out for somebody else, right? Yeah. And like, why would Trump expend that kind of capital? Um, and here's the other thing too. I think Trump was hanging back because Trump didn't want to be on the side of a loser. You know, Trump's always careful about not being for you if he thinks you could lose. And I think Trump was sort of hanging back here because he didn't want to be, you know, uh, siding with somebody who who could lose. It all comes back to Donald Trump always. Um, so I guess in 30 days, there is that trend, isn't there? Yeah. In 30 days. And actually, it's an important point because I do feel like we're at a point in political history, especially with Republicans, where until they figure that out, until they grapple with what they stand for, are they the Trump party or not? Um, then I think they're going to they're going to have these sort of challenges. It's um, it, it's not a coherent party. Right. It's a lot more like one of those European parliaments where you got a coalition government and you got trying to make it work, but different, you know, multi-party um, uh, sort of governance is, is is complicated. And with Trump, you effectively have that Bakari under one roof. You got the the pre-Trump party and the post-Trump party living not terribly harmoniously in the same tent. It's not as if this party is adhering to any conservative principles. They really, uh, and for a long period of time, Democrats were 
a party of personality. I mean, we wanted JFK, we wanted Bill Clinton, we wanted Barack. Yes. We had yes. to fall in love. And now it's amazing how Donald Trump has flipped that on his head. Yes. Who's on the short list to replace McCarthy? I know Scalise. I know Jim Jordan. What about the the guy with the glasses, the little short dude who has the speaker security now from North Carolina? Patrick McHenry, yes. Yeah, that's a hell of a name. He sounds like a Confederate general. Um, Patrick McHenry. Um, <laughs> Patrick he he's a capable fellow who actually is um, from the kind of the pre-Trump party. Um, I wonder if he could be a compromise pick if Jordan and Scalise can't get to 218. Um, I tend to think this is going to be pretty messy and it's going to be tough to get to 218. Um, and uh, here's the other complication, Bakari. There's a lot of people in the House GOP who, more than anything, they don't want to pick a new speaker until they resolve this question of the so-called motion to vacate. Now, that's a kind of a, a term that's in the weeds, but basically what that means is you can't do again what you did to McCarthy in which one person can call up the motion to vacate the speakership, and then if that person has the votes on the floor, you dump the speaker. In, in the past, there was a higher threshold more than just one member to be able to call that vote. And I think there's a lot of people in the House GOP who want to restore the old rules, so you can't just have one Matt Gates call that vote. Yeah, let's talk about Matt Gates. Yes. What I mean is, he going to be ejected from a conference? I, I mean, is he now the king so. of of Washington D.C.? I mean, does he become mayor of the capital? I mean, yeah. or is he just going to walk into the governor's mansion and? Yeah, I don't think his future is in the house. I think he's much more interested in Florida politics, and you know, his dad was president of the state senate. In fact. This is kind of a good insight as to how the party has changed, Bakari, in the last the last uh, decade. His father was the president of the Florida State Senate, introduced Jeb Bush at Jeb Bush's campaign launch for president in 2015, uh, which is <laughs> only, you know, eight plus years ago, but feels like the ice age. Um, and I think Gates wants to follow those footsteps. I think he wants to run for governor in 26 and and um, and be more of a player in, in Florida politics. And his dad, if I'm not mistaken, is running for the state senate again, right? His dad's coming back, yeah. So the, the, mm. the Gates dynasty here is uh, that's a that's a coincidence. There ain't no such thing as coincidences in American politics. Exactly. Um, so what what role if any does the 2024 Republican primary play, and who's going to be the next speaker? Like, do you expect Tim yeah. Scott or Chris Christie or Nikki Haley? Think anybody? so. I mean, I think. Trump will try to do his thing and, uh, you know, be kingmaker here for Jordan, Bakari, um, and see if he can sort of get an ally in the speakership. I have a hard time seeing the other candidates jump in. I can see them saying, kind of like what DeSantis is saying, which is, you know, Washington's a mess. You know, you can't vote for somebody from Washington. And, you know, if, if this is what you want, this sort of chaos, that's the Trump party. Um, uh, I just, I don't know how effective that is, you know? Yeah. So will we, will we have a shutdown in T minus 40 days? Well, here's the thing. And this is why I'm, I'm a little bit concerned actually, because I think it's going to take a while to get a speaker who can get 218 votes. And then once you do that, the first act or the first couple of acts of that speaker are to pass some kind of an omnibus bill funding the government for the next year. 
and trying to get money for Ukraine. Um, I mean, talk about tough votes right out of the gate. <laughs> My gosh. So, yeah, I'm not sure what that looks like. Uh, uh, when you have a brand new speaker with the rest of House and a, a GOP conference, basically, uh, in open war with each other, I just I don't know how you can how you can massage that. Um, and, um, you know, the, the early talk is that they're going to try to pair a border security bill with, with with Ukraine funding. So it's easier for the House Republicans to swallow. I'm still not sure that that, that would yeah, do they're it. Not, people aren't voting for Ukraine funding in the House Republican conference. I mean, that's, yeah. a that's for some people, which is just a fucking weird litmus test. How, how does what's going on right now affect like major priorities like farm bill? FAAs, I know a reauthorization. I mean, right. we need to be able to fly safely. I mean, border right. they they care about the border, but things are at a standstill. So, I mean, let me no, ask you. This. This let, me ask you let me ask you an even better question, Jay yeah. Hart. Yeah. How do you explain this to people who are not in Washington D.C. about how this will affect their everyday lives? Sure. I mean, I I think that um, if you have any encounter with the federal government, whether that is because you fly a commercial uh, plane to get from A to B, or because you, uh, you know, are a, a, a active duty or a retired service member, or have relatives that are. I mean, basically, if you have any connection to the federal government at all as part of your life, it's going to affect you because the government could well shut down here in November, and um, this chaos in the House points to why it's going to be hard. For them to pass a bill keeping the government open in November. How's that? What about does this help you have a speaker, Jeffries? Uh, I think in the long term, chaos and disorder and messy politics in Washington you know, does we're down well to the party that's trying to say, as Jeffrey says, we're team normal, you know? <laughs> we're team, team normal. That's <laughs> That's that's a hell of a slogan. We are team normal. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you think, I mean, I, I would assume it, you're going to have Biden, uh, you're going to have Biden and Trump part duh, grumpy old man part two. Yeah. Uh, will this will will this play a role in the national political scene or? or yeah, or, I, I, well, I think it. At a time when Biden's numbers are pretty grim, and there's profound questions about his age uh, and his capacity to serve for you know five more years, of course this helps uh, because Biden can say you know maybe you don't like me, but those guys are nuts. Look at the, what they're doing over there. I, I think anything that allows Biden to reprise his 2020 message, which, as you and I know, effectively was, let's bring normal back. Like, this is crazy. Let's let's get rid of the nuts and bring normal back. If anything that helps him do that, I think it's possible. What else we got, J-Mart? Anything else in Washington, D.C. we need to know about? This seems like it's a, a whole lot too much for us to consume. It's a little bit overwhelming, um, but I think um, – we're only at the start of this story. I, mean, I think trying to get a speaker is going to take a while. I think trying to fund the government is going to take a while. And I think getting money for Ukraine could be the most complicated of all. And talk about an issue that's going to reverberate across the globe. I mean, the Ukrainians depend upon U.S. Uh, aid uh, for a large share of their weaponry. So this could be a huge, huge development over the course of the winter in terms of the Ukrainians fending off the Russians. So, um uh, Matt Gates, geopolitical player, who would have guessed, right? Yeah, I mean, the, and I know the answer to this, but for listeners, why why does that matter? Why why does why does Russia's geopolitical fate in this war in Ukraine? Why does that right. matter? Well, because they invaded a sovereign country, and there's a land war in Europe for the first time since World War II, which is you know really um, disrupted the continent, especially when it comes to energy supplies. Uh, you know, sort of increase the, the price of, of energy over there. And obviously that has a huge effect across the globe. It, it means um, that there, there, there's increased pressure on the Middle East to, to supply energy, uh, which creates all sorts of challenges uh, around the world. And that is a, a matter for the price of uh, heating at home, for the gas at the pump. Uh, and then lastly, uh, it's the longer term effect. It's if Putin is seen to have effectively a free hand and can invade a sovereign country, then other autocrats around the world uh, see that. And they see the U.S. unwillingness to stand with those countries being invaded. And they say, well, shoot, maybe we can do it, too. J. Mark from Politico. Love you. Thank you for joining the show, brother. Appreciate you, Bakari. 